That's a good lead into what I want to talk about. I'm talking about in Romans. We've been talking Romans 5, 6, and 7. The 7 we hopefully we'll get into today. And it is on understanding who we are and being forgiven. I asked you a couple of weeks ago, how many people feel totally forgiven and not one person raised their hand? You're meant to feel forgiven. You're meant to exist totally free from guilt. He paid the price for that price. That you would be able to do it. It's, it, it's, it. it's not holy. A lot of times people think, well, I'm just a sinner. You were a sinner, and we continue to sin, but we've been washed. And we said, justified once and for all for all of our sins. Sanctification is the process of cleaning us up, making us more like Christ. And I believe that more like Christ is that Christ lives within us and flows out of us. And we have to clean the lenses of our heart. That his presence come out. That sanctification process happens. But it does not, process, does not happen the way of the old way. The old way was the rules and regulations. You cannot do this. You cannot do that. You cannot do this other thing. The scriptures are very clear. That does not work. The truth is that when you're free, because your love for God, you'll want to please him. That's the truth. That's how the kingdom works. I'm going to go through some of what we went through before at a very fast pace. I'm going to go from uh, uh, 5, 6, Romans 5, 6. And I'm just going to hit highlights that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. We're justified by blood of Christ. In, in, uh, in 9-11, it says uh, the contrast between when we were God's enemies, God reconciled us to him. How much more now that we're saved do we have his life? Okay? So the first contrast is, okay, when we stuck and we filled with sin, God forgave us. Now, how much more that we're his and we're part of his family, is he going to forgive us? Okay, so the idea, we are forgiven. We're in him, we're forgiven. So through one man sin entered. He was a pattern of one to come, which was Jesus. Jesus removed that sin. Then that scripture goes on to make the difference between that, the, that the, the trespass is not like the grace. That the grace is so much more powerful than the trespass. One trespass caused all to become guilty because we all sinned as that. But one righteous act brought forgiveness for all. What it's saying is there's no stronger soap than the blood of Jesus. There's no stronger soap. It doesn't get any stronger. And if you feel like you have sin in your life that's not forgiven, I'll give you what I, God showed me a long time ago. Then I'm saying that his blood was not strong enough to wash away my sin. That's, that's heresy, of course. The truth is, obviously, his blood is strong enough to wash away all sin. That's what the scripture says. But if you think that your sin is greater than his blood... <laughs> You would laugh at that thought, don't you? It's foolishness. It's not. But that's what the enemy gets you to believe. He gets you to believe that your sin is so bad that, that, that the blood of Jesus can't wash it away. But it can. There is nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away. Nothing. I don't care what it is. I don't care uh, adultery, fornication, uh, 
uh, homosexuality, murder, robbery, coveting, all the biggies, washes it all away. It's strong enough because his blood is strong enough. So that makes that in about 518. Then it goes on to say in 520 that the law was added so the trespasses might increase. Where sin increases, grace increases more. Making the point that the purpose of the law was to show you didn't have what it takes. But when, when the, actually when the law came, it said sin increased. So guess what? When you tell yourself, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that, you're probably going to do that. That's what the scripture says. Because you empower what you're focused on. If you're empowering on, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, you're going to do it. If you drive down the road and look at the ditch, you're going to end up in the ditch. Same thing. This is the practical things. So if you're trying to defeat, and this is in, and I think it was in Galatians where he said that you started off in the spirit, and who bewitched you? Now you're going to try to complete the same in the flesh? In other words, you, we were saved by saying yes to God. Now do you think by the rules and regulations you're going to make yourself right? No, you're not. The rules and regulations, the scripture says in about 520, is, is Romans 520, is, is to show you that you don't have what it takes to make it. That you, on your own, has an end result of sin. Now, if God made you that way, he made you that way. He understands what he made. And he had a provision for it. I told you when I, when I, uh, about six months ago how I believe that God intended from the very, very beginning the process to bring us into being, to be like him and to be the bride of Christ and to rule with him. He had to bring us through several things. He had to first show us that we didn't have what it takes, show us we need to depend upon someone else and their self, find out that we need to totally rely on him and begin to rely on him and become like him. From the very beginning, it's not an afterthought, the cross, after man fell. It was intended from the very beginning of time because of his great generosity to us. He was, it wasn't good enough just to give us the earth. He wanted to give us heaven too. He wanted us to, he wanted us to rule with him. Well, that's quite something. He wants us to rule with him. So he provided a way that we could find out who we are, what we need, that we would call upon him to become that. That's what, you know, you go to school. You go to school, you go through different tests and stuff to show you need what you need. Well, he showed us what we need, that we don't have what it takes to make it to be with him, that we have to rely on him. And the law in, in there says that was that purpose, that was added so that trespasses might increase. I remember the first time I read that, it blew my mind. Now, when we went moved to Romans 6, the question was, shall we go on sinning because of this? The answer was, no, you died to sin, how can you live in it? When you're baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death. Now you're united with him in his death, you certainly will be also be united with him in his resurrection. So... And that's, of course, the thing of the baptism, the idea of dying with Christ and being resurrected with him. No longer I that live, but Christ lives within us. Second big reason why you can't say, you know, that you can't walk around until forgiven. If Christ truly lives in you, and it's no longer you who lives, rather than Christ lives within you, is Christ sin? Of course not. It's foolishness. 
God wants you to be so free of guilt. Guilt and conviction. Holy Spirit will convict us of sins for one purpose, to turn to God. The enemy will condemn us. You hear that voice of condemning? I'm no good, you know. I goofed up, so I'm paying the consequence. I'm, I'm, I mean, I have a child because I did this before, or I, 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 I did, uh, or I'll take abortion. I have abortion on a child because of, that's from the pit of hell. That is from the pit of hell. That is. So, it says, it goes on to say in uh, Romans uh, 6 about uh, 10. We're no longer slaves to sin. Anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And we've died, so we're freed from sin. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ. Again, making the point. Okay. And then it goes on and says, Therefore, because of these things, do not let sin reign, but offer yourself as instruments of righteousness. Okay? Then we, uh, shall we send slaves to... Then it goes on to, uh, in about 6.15, it says, shall we be slaves to, uh, we're slaves to whatever we obey. So you can offer yourself for slavery of impurity or slave to righteousness. So he's developing this thing. The writer is developing this thing that, you know, we're no longer alive ourselves. We're dead. And when we're being dead, we're dead to sin. Because we're dead to sin, Sin has, no longer has power over us. Because sin no longer has power over us, we have to choose to be slaves to righteousness. In other words, the idea you want to, just, you want to go after God for it. It's not going after God to get approval. Because the point is the approval has already been given. It's going after God to please God. Now, that's the background. I think that's the only thing I want to hit until we hit seven. Okay. Now, I'm going to need somebody. Where's my... Oh, there she is. Grab your Bible. Look up Romans 7. It says, be a slave, not to sin, but be a slave to God. That's the end of Romans 6. Now, Romans 7. What I want you to read. I was going to break up in groups. I don't think I have enough time to really break up in groups. Um, so let's read, uh, read 7, 1 through 4. I'm going to do it like one big group. I'm going to ask you what this means, so pay attention. Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. That'll get rid of the echo here. Okay, did you get all the way through four? Yeah. Okay, what does that say, guys? Let's say. That's the sin. Okay, now what's the, what's the marriage saying for? Huh? 
Yeah, marriage is a covenant, and that's also the example that he uses with the church and us. But, but so he's given an example. He's given, you know, this is the practical things, guys. This is a practical example. Okay, if you're married, you're bound to them. You go out and go to bed with someone else, it's called what? Adultery, right? But it says that person dies, you're no longer bound to them anymore. Now you're free to marry someone else. What it's saying is the rule and regulation has power over you as long as you live. But when you're dead, that rule and regulation no longer has power over you anymore. Okay, this is the practical example to give you a a picture. Because you know what? They had the same problem as we do today. To understand and realize that we truly are forgiven is a really hard thing. We can hear it, but somehow, especially in Western thinking, we think we heard it a few times, we got it. No, it does not matter if it's up here. It matters if it's here. It will get to here if you look at it and spend time in this. It will get there, and it has to get here. Because otherwise you'll do things out of guilt, and you'll be bound from the enemy. If the enemy can trick you to thank you, and his power is basically based upon being able to trick you to, to believe something. If he's able to control you that way, then you're slave to whoever you obey, aren't you? That's what the Scripture said earlier. God wants us free. That's why he forgives us immediately. How many are a Catholic background? Okay, you have an extra load to go through. My wife's Catholic, too. You have an extra load to go through because they have really run through this whole repentance, you know, penance thing and all these Hail Marys and all these different things to get yourself, work yourself through. That is flat and unbiblical. It really is unbiblical. I don't have a problem. I don't want to talk about the Catholic Church. It's not even my business. But you have an extra weight to go through because it's hard for you to see God in, in, in those type of terms and understand forgiveness is immediate. It's the only way it is, immediate. It's not long. At the moment you try to work your way through it, you've missed it. You've cut yourself off from Christ, it says, because that's a work. And when you try to work your way through it by doing good to be okay with God, you've missed the gospel. You've missed it. This is a free gift. No charge. That means no charge. It means it's actually free. Like my dear friends gave us this great piano up there. Thank you, guys. No charge. It was free. I like it. <laughs> yes. Thank you, guys. <laughs> no charge. This thing is no charge. You have the same free. So, we're dead to the law. The law only has power over us as long as we live. You got that? Say it. The law has power over us as long as we live only. Okay? Are you dead? Yes. So it has no power over you, right? You guys got to get this. This is, this is truthfully probably one of the most important points there is in the Bible. Matter of fact, he, he devoted Galatians, Ephesians, and uh, uh, Romans to it to get this point across. It's a big issue. It's a big issue. Now, he was dealing to an audience of, of uh, people under the law. So it was harder for them to get it than us because they were... Born under the law, under the rules and regulations. That law and rules and regulations was of God, designed by God, uh, put there. But it was put for, there for a different reason than they understood. It was put there to show them they don't have what it takes, rather than think that we could. That's why he said the righteous has got to pass that of the Pharisees. And they're going, wow, these guys have all the outside righteous things. Because it's not an outside thing. It's an inward thing. It's an inward thing of the heart. Okay, let's go to... Um, uh, seven, five through six. 
For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. Okay. What does that say? You know, the reason I'm breaking this down into small bits, that I found that when I read over it, a lot of times, there's so much information, I just like tilt. You know, and it seems to talk a lot about a whole different things, but it's really driving the same fact in over and over and over again. Repetition is the biblical way of underlining things. They didn't underline things. They didn't have a highlighter pen. They didn't do it in bold. They repeated it. And this is repeated multiple ways because we have to get it. So it says, once controlled by the sinful nature, what? What happened? Passions were aroused by the law. We're at work in our bodies. So because of our sinful nature, when the law came, it did what? It made you want to do what you shouldn't, shouldn't do, right? Can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. I can't eat that, I can't eat that. You end up wanting to eat that all day long. Well, I do. You know, this, same thing. It aroused because of our sinful nature. Now, dying to what once bound us, what's that mean? Come on, guys. I want to smooth feed you. Come on, think. Huh? Yeah, well, yeah, but it's also dead to the sinful nature. Why is it dead to the sinful nature? What is the sinful nature? Huh? Our flesh, our conscience, all that stuff. And it's been buried with Christ. It's no longer alive. So it's dead with it. Now, it was justified once for all. That thing still jumps up and gets in our way. That's what we feel today. That sinful nature, that, that thing. That sanctification is the process of cleansing that, renewing that, that would be able to. Soul is kind of the implementer of, of God, as uh, John Paul Jackson would say. And the idea is it takes what's in us and it, it makes it happen within us. You know, it's not bad in itself. That has to be cleansed, that sinful nature, and removed. It's dead. Once it knows it's dead, and you start living by the Spirit, then different type of actions come out. So that sinful nature was dead, right? Uh, so we now die to what's bound us. We're released from the law. Released from the law. You have, the law, the Ten Commandments are not over you anymore, guys. They aren't. The ten, you get that, guys? The Ten Commandments aren't over you anymore. All the rules and regulations aren't over you. Remember the promise of the New Covenant that the law would be written within us. It doesn't mean that you go out and murder and adultery and all that other junk of the Ten Commandments. It doesn't mean you go do that. It means you don't do that for a different reason. That different reason is very, very important. Ends never justify the means, nor does it here. Matter of fact, we find here that the, the, the means will not get you to the ends if you take the wrong way. The wrong way is in the old way. When Jesus died, he went back and says he preached to all the imprisoned spirits. They heard the gospel too, and they were saved the same way you and I are. All the people lived before, Moses, all those people, they heard the gospel. They saved the same way as this. Because Why? Through who? Christ. Alone, right? 
God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Same way, same door, everyone goes through. That's the only way there is. There's no other way around. No way other way through. There's no, he wasn't around then. God just had him wait around and go back and speak to him. Okay, that's another subject. But Okay, um, no longer bound because we're no longer under the law. Because why? Come on, guys. What, why? Because dead man don't speak, right? Remember that thing? Dead man, tell no tale or whatever. Dead man don't speak. They don't. Dead men do not speak. We don't have any life in us anymore from our own self. So we're dead. We're not under the law. We're not under those rules. You are free. Okay. Okay, read uh, 7, 7, 7 through 13. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would, have, I would not have known what it was to covet if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means, but in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. Okay. So the question, first question, is the law sin? No. This is an interactive class, guys, if you haven't got it yet today. Today we're doing interactive. I usually break up small groups that do that, but I didn't think we had time. And I, wanted, I really wanted to cover this. I want to hit it a bunch of different times until you get this every part in you. So that when I ask you next time, you know, how many of you feel forgiven? Everyone of you would raise your hand. Because you'd walk, I really do feel forgiven. I'm telling you, I do. You know, do I ever stub my tail and go, oh, I'm a dog? Yeah, but it doesn't last but a few seconds. Because I get it that I'm forgiven. Let me tell you what, it is good. Remember the law, it says, it says the, the truth will set you free. Well, this is what it's talking about. It will set you free. It is so good not to walk around feeling condemned. So good not to walk around feeling like I'm some, something underneath the shoe of God. But I'm his son. See, that's where we're going. That's the thing the enemy does not want you to understand. As long as you are a helpless, crippled sinner, you have no power in the kingdom and no threat to the enemy. But if you can get that you are free from sin, that you are a son of God, then nothing will stand against it. That's where we have to be. This church is a gatekeeping church. And you know what? I've had so many people come here and say it. This little thing has authority over the city, Santa Monica, L.A. That's what they say to us. That remains how far that goes, remains to be seen. But that's what's been said about us, and that's what's been over and over said about us. We have to know who we are. You, other places you can sit around and be stupid, but not here. You can't sit in ignorance here. You have to know who you are. You have to become who God called you to be. You've got to be something that 
sets the enemy on his tail. And let me tell you what. Ian was here last week, and he was, it was awesome listening to him. One of the things he said to me in private was really interesting. He said, you don't know how tall, how big you are. We talked because I said, oh, his enemies are real big. He says, you're as limited as what you see yourself as. Son of God is of any size necessary. We're bigger than them. Us. God showed me a while back, me plus him is a majority, period. That's the truth. You plus God is a majority. That's you got to come into. That you have to come into. We have to come into. To come into this, we have to shed this guilt that is not from God, but is from the pit of hell. You have to shed it. It has to be gone. You have to walk in this. And you guys are out of your mind if you aren't sitting there reading the scriptures every day and looking at this, what we're going through right now. Because that's how you're going to get it. Otherwise, you're going to sit there the same old person. You want to be the same old person? I don't want to be the same old person. I don't want to be the same person I was yesterday or the day before. I want to evolve to be more and more like him. That is a process that takes energy and takes a decision. And in this king, there's only two things. You're either going towards God or going away. There's no neutral. So you can, you can stupor yourself and make you think you're not, that there's, you're okay and you just, I'll just do what I was doing in the past and I'll be all right. And no. You're going towards hell or going towards heaven. One of the two. There's no other way around it. I'll make it nice and clear. I'm not going to lie to you. It's the truth. Going towards. Okay, so um, law is not sin. No. The commandments, none of it is. It says it seized its opportunity and produced in me every kind of rotten, miserable desire. Again, it's saying what's before. The law is good, but it produces in us. So even though this is a good thing, you don't touch it anymore. You don't go there. Okay? Because sin seizes its opportunity in that, doesn't it? Sin seizes its opportunity in the do not do, the law. It seizes its opportunity and causes you to sin. Can't do that. Okay. It says, though the law and commands are holy, righteous, and good, good, did good become death? By no means. But sin might be recognized as sin, it produces death in me. So this is kind of saying again what what was said uh, earlier is that the law was shown to show that we don't have what it takes. And it's saying that again here, over and over and over again. The law is here for one reason, to show you don't have what it takes. You're not under it anymore. You're under grace. Because you're alive in Him, and you no longer live, but Christ lives within you. And because of that, you have total freedom, and you have total forgiveness, because you are a son of God. If Jesus is in you, are you a son? Male, female, son? Yes. That's the term they use. I'm going to mess around with the other stuff. Has no, because the other part of the scripture says there's no difference between male and female. None. Slave or free. We're all the same in Him. We're sons. That's the highest that He can put in our terms for understanding. He'd have a different word for it if we had a, some different understandings, I'm sure. But He calls us sons because that's high thing in Him. Okay. I want to get through this part here. Uh, 7, 14 through 20. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. 
Then if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in my members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself and my mind am a, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Okay. Law is what? Spiritual, right? Okay. And he says, I'm not spiritual. Now, this was a mind twister to me for years. You know, it, it, for some reason, the way it went at it, uh, and really what it did was it underlined it over and over and did it in bold and capitalize it and everything else so we wouldn't miss it. But in the process, to me, it was confusing. Okay? But law spiritual, I am not. Okay? And, of course, it says later, it says, it says, who's going to save me? Christ. So, in other words, without Christ, if we go at it backwards, without Christ, I am sinful. Okay? And then it says, uh, sold as slave to sin. Because you're slave to whatever you obey, the Scripture says. And if, 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 if you do not have Christ in your life, because remember, Christ is the Savior. Uh, uh, if you do not have Christ there, then you're, 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 you're hopelessly stuck in sin. Matter of fact, what the Scripture says is that the, that the, uh, the sacrifices in the Old Testament were an annual reminder of their sin. <laughs> That's what it says. Annual reminder. This is a reminder that you, of your sin. It didn't say a freedom from it. This is what they were required to do at the time. It was an annual reminder. Again, their sins were forgiven. One, Jesus. Okay, uh, I do not, understand, do not understand what I do. I do what I don't want to do, and what I want to do, I don't do. Feel familiar? Okay. Uh, I, I sure can relate to it. And he says, nothing good, in, uh, nothing good lives in me. Without Christ, there's nothing good. That's why the other scripture says, as I said, there's not one righteous, not one. All have fallen short. All of them are wicked. That's what it says. Because without Christ, there's not one righteous. Without God, there's no way you can work this through to be right with God. Let's translate in different words. So without, without Christ, you are powerless through the process of rules and regulations to make it. It will never, ever, 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 ever happen. The more you look at it, the more you're going to sin. The more you don't want to do it, the more you're going to do it. That's what the scriptures are saying. It's a translation straight to GZ version. Is is that. The more you try not to, the more you're going to do it. So, if, if, if the more you concentrate in this area, the more you fail, then you get your head out of there and get it into Christ. That's what it's saying. No longer look under the rules and regulations of law because that's going to bring one thing. Sin, and the consequence of sin is death. Consequences of Christ and grace is eternal life. So you don't go down this rule. 
you go in this rule. I mentioned it before. Football has certain type of rules. Basketball has others. You don't mix the two. So as a Christian playing basketball, you're not going to put some football rules in the deal and make it. They don't work. You carry the ball in football and you hit it on the ground once and it's down. It's total opposite. Same thing. You don't play with those rules and regulations to get you there. You play by grace. And so it's very, very clear here that nothing good lives in with me. I do what I don't want to do. And therefore, I'm saying I agree with the truth. But I keep on doing it. And it says here, I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil's right there with me. Though my inner being delights in God's law, I see something else take place. I see another law at work. Making me a prisoner of sin, I work within me. A good translation is that the devil made me do it. <laughs> it's probably pretty close here. But basically the same. Uh, you know, because, because I'm open to the same and I'm living in this rule of do's and don'ts, tree of knowledge of good and evil, I'll have to take another day to really show you how that works together. But the rules and right, when they touch that tree, you shall surely die is an eternal promise. And when you go there, make the rules and rights, you're going to surely die today too. So, so once you go there, that road reads to death. Even though it looks good, just like the tree of life looked good, just like the idea of trying to do the right thing and stuff sounds good, it doesn't work for you. I, must, I myself, in my mind, am a slave. Slave to and now it's going to be a slave to God's law or the sinful nature of sin. That slavery will depend upon one thing, what you look at, right? If your eyes are on the rules and regulations and you choose to resurrect yourself as the old person, the consequence is death. I don't care how hard you try to do good, it's death. If you find yourself in Christ, living in Christ, and looking to Him, and your hope is in Him, then the consequence is, is life. That easy, that free. The enemy, just like election, wants to confuse things. But it's not confusing. If you get right down to it, you go one direction is going to bring death, the other bring life. So the life is in Christ. So that means all the things that you've done wrong are forgiven. There is nothing that you're not forgiven for. You ask God for that because that's agreeing with God. But He's paid the price that everyone from the first to the last sin you'll ever do is forgiven. The other life that's changed, as we'll show coming up, is, is because of our love for Him. You know, we've all had boyfriends or girlfriends, you know, and, and you ever had one that tells you what you want you to do and, and you don't want to do it? You know, I, you know, my wife tells me to, I want you to fix this and this and this around the house. I really don't want to do it. I don't. But in a desire to please her, I may do it. And I'll do it with joy. It's the same thing. God is a, God is a person. It's not the rules and regulation that brings death, too. The other part of the thing is he wants people with a heart to love him and bless him. He wants people to do the things that are righteous 
to please him, to bless him. Just as, as, as with my wife, I want to please her. I want to bless her. I want to do good things. I want to bring, you know, great things. But I want to do it because I want to bless her, not because I have to. God wants the same thing out of us. And when we do this with that process, we begin to sin less. We begin to look more like him. Because the truth of the matter is, is Christ lives within us. And if we get out of the way of ourselves, his presence comes forth and people see him. If we're busy trying to fix ourselves and live in a life of rule and regulation, he can't be seen because we're all cluttered up. To put it in gate terms, there are certain gates in our life as well as in this world. The enemy, as I showed you before, desires to defile the gates. And when he defiles the gates, like in the city, then, every, then he closes off heaven and opens up a gate to hell. It's the same thing in your life. There are gates. Your mind, your conscience, your eyes, your mouth, all these things are gates. And the enemy wants to defile them so the presence of God cannot come out. But God wants to make them holy so he can shine forth and people can see him. Because that's the best witness of all. So he wants you to know that when you sin, it's the word when, not if, that his, his grace is immediate and complete and he forgives you. Why? So you say, forgive me, that gate is no longer defiled anymore, it's holy, and your presence comes forth. You aren't living in guilt. People living in guilt don't do well. So worship band would come up here. I want to give people an opportunity if they want to go before God uh, and uh, uh, ask for help in this area. Or if they have a you know, sickness, emotional, physical, that needs healing, come forward. Ministry team, come forward too. We want to pray for you. We want to, because we have a God that loves us and wants to heal us. And there's no sickness that you have no problem that you have that God does not want to heal. If he doesn't want to heal, he'll tell us. I, 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 I look at things in healing this way. That God always wants to heal us unless he tells me something otherwise. And sometimes he wants to take people home. He does. And that's, uh, but otherwise, I, I believe he wants to heal us. That's how I go after it. And that's how I look at it unless I hear otherwise. Because that's what the scriptures tell me. Yeah. Paid the price. And so if you want to get some prayer, come on forward, and we'll do that. Father, I ask right now that the words that were from you, that would be plowed into their hearts and their spirit, that, that people uh, would be changed in a moment now, that would, what would take root is the truth, the truth from your mouth, from your words, from the Bible, would take root in the hearts and would choke out the lies of the enemy, that people will be able to walk out today, tomorrow, the next day, and every day, and understand the mercy and forgiveness and joy that's in you. The inheritance that we have in you, the inheritance that you intended from the beginning of time to be given and received through the cross, that inheritance which its first fruit is forgiveness and its final fruit is eternal life, would dwell. So we love you, Lord. We honor you. And we speak a protection over the people 
that the birds of the air, that the enemy in that cannot come in and rob the truth that you brought forth, but instead that it would grow. Your holy name. And everyone else is uh, released to go if you don't want prayer or just hang around. Love to have you.